Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. With me is our host and teacher, Chris Katulka. For 75 years, the Friends of Israel has produced our award-winning magazine, Israel, My Glory. If you're not yet a subscriber, we'd like to offer you a free one-year subscription. That's six free issues. Israel, My Glory is a go-to resource for everything a Christian needs to know about Israel and the Jewish people. Stick around to hear how you can subscribe to get your free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory. Millennials, they've officially reached the age of adulthood, and they are now the largest generation in the U.S. workforce. In our recent issue of Israel My Glory, we evaluate my generation, the millennials, to see how they look at life, the church, and Israel. Today, J.D. Lemming, who wrote in our most recent issue, will share why millennials value social justice more than past generations. And I have some thoughts myself on millennials, who they are, where they're going, and do they care about Israel? Perhaps you've heard a story like this before. A teenager graduates high school, and he's known in his family for always having his head buried in the cell phone. He's never worked a day in his life either. After four years of college, he earns a liberal arts degree and accumulated the equivalent of a mortgage in student debt. And now he's ready to launch out into the world. And our bright-eyed and bushy-tailed graduate finds himself jobless and living at home because his expectations for work are not being met. He thinks he deserves better pay, and no one promised to stand by his side praising his work. The story that you just heard describes a generation of young adults who are accused of being lazy, entitled, narcissistic, and noncommittal. They're called millennials. After that warm introduction of millennials, too, let me just say this. I'm one of them, and I say that unashamed. And here's the reason why. I'm on the older end of the spectrum, and I have a few gray hairs to prove it. I've got four kids. But I fall within the time frame that defines my generation. And with that said, my take on millennials is based both on stereotypes and my experience as one who bears the name. Now, let me say, you simply can't define tens of millions of young adults at different stages in life with one broad brushstroke. There are millennials who are still in high school, while others, like myself, have a family and a career. When assessing millennials, there are certain variables that shouldn't be overlooked, though. And yet, at the same time, there are constants when it comes to how they were raised. The millennial worldview, I want you to think about this, the millennial worldview is primarily shaped by the rapid rise of technology. It's literally the lens through which they view the world. This is one of the defining factors that determined a lot of what makes millennials distinct. Uh, you know, as the baby boomers of the 1990s were struggling to figure out how to keep up with the development of personal computers becoming part of everyday life, millennials were the first generation to be born into them. Most young adults today don't even know life without a connected device. From the way they shop, learn, and work, even to how they socialize with friends or even find their spouses, it all starts with a computer. Millennial adolescence was also impacted by a string of social experiments that coddled them through their most formative years. Instead of molding them into men and women of character, 
Young adults were told they could be anything, they could do anything, and they would they should settle for nothing less. Psychologist Dr. Gene Twenge, who's the author of Generation Me, argues that the participation trophy generation were rewarded too easily and celebrated success without accomplishing anything worthy of praise. Now, some millennials are starting to wake up to the dangers of this kind of upbringing. Olivia Legaspi, a student at Haverford College, received national attention for her article in The Odyssey. And her article's titled, What Working at McDonald's Taught Me About Privilege. And she writes this, In everyday discourse here at Haverford, we're taught to ask for help when we feel we need it, speak up when we feel uncomfortable, and prioritize our own well-being over most other things. At McDonald's, acting this way could have cost me my job, a job I needed to afford college. You know, Olivia is a perfect example of what I like to call a maturing millennial. A millennial whose experience working at a cash register at McDonald's imparted more wisdom than the rhetoric of her college. There are more Olivias out there, too, waking up to the same realization In fact, today there are 92 million millennials that were born between 1982 and 2004, making up the largest generation in U.S. history, outnumbering even baby boomers. The generation associated with never growing up just got a jolt of reality, too, in 2015 when they officially entered adulthood as the largest group in the U.S. workforce, while boomers were busy planning for their retirement. And what about Israel? What what do Christian millennials think about a future for Israel and whether or not Israel still matters today biblically? Well, well, I believe that there's a small percentage that believe God still has a plan for the Jewish people, and and they understand what the Bible says about it, and they support Israel. They're, They're what we call Christian Zionists. And I believe there's also a small percentage of Christian millennials who believe Israel is the problem in the Middle East. They believe they're an apartheid state who oppresses the Palestinians. So there's a small percentage on both sides of the spectrum. For me personally, though, I'm interested in the large group of Christian millennials who haven't ever thought about Israel biblically or theologically. I believe the moment a Christian millennial steps foot in the land, they are forever changed. They see what the prophets spoke about in the scriptures, and really they come to cherish the Bible coming to life right before their very eyes. That's why Christian organizations today are helping Christian young adults, Christian millennials, go to Israel for next to nothing in cost, so that early on in their walk with the Lord, they'll become Christian Zionists, millennials who see the value of Israel today according to the scriptures. And even here at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, we have our young adult ministry program, Origins, where young Christian millennials have a chance to live out their faith in the land. In a New York Times article titled, Why Teenagers Today May Grow Up Conservative, David Leinhardt writes that many of the hippies of the 1960s that were enthusiastically promoting flower power and protesting the Vietnam War eventually would come to vote for the right-wing conservative candidate Ronald Reagan. How did young liberal hippies 
changed so much in just two decades that their political and religious views would do an about face. Well, it's really simple. They grew up. The transformational effect of growing up, starting a career, paying taxes, getting married, owning a home, and raising children can change even the most ardent idealist into a realist. Society has been so critical of millennials over the past decade, it's as if they've already written them off by judging the wave before it's even crashed. Millennials are just now starting to leave their imprint on history, and for many of them, they haven't even had a chance to mature and allow the natural circumstances of life to change their impression of the world. It's also important to remember that God's steadfast love never skips generations. God raised up those he calls for his purposes to communicate his message from generation to generation. And the psalmist reminds us this, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100 verse 5. Here's a challenge. If your only understanding of millennials is through the negative criticism you have or or what you've read about them or what you've heard about them, if that's the only thing that you know about millennials, I want you to stretch yourself and attempt to reach out and get to know one on an individual level. Break past the negative stereotypes that hover over millennials like a dark cloud and learn more about what passions God has given them individually. Millennials are known to esteem themselves highly, but that doesn't mean they don't want to be discipled because deep down they long for counsel and wisdom. Invest in the young adults of your family, church, or business through biblical discipleship. And most importantly, pray that the Lord will raise up godly men and women of this unique generation who will use their place in this world to be strong spiritual leaders, ones eager to find ways to reach their successors. Generation Z. It's already here, folks. Millennials are starting to grow up. Generation Z is the new generation we need to be praying about. So let's pray for those millennials that God will raise them up, give them a spirit of reaching out to the next generation with the message of Jesus Christ. If you're familiar with our ministry, you know that we emphasize the need for solid biblical teaching and accurate analysis on the news of the day. One of the best resources for great biblical teaching that I know is the Friends of Israel's magazine, Israel My Glory. Chris, some may not realize that Israel My Glory has been around since 1942 and has well over 150,000 subscribers. Yeah, I'll tell you, I travel the country speaking in churches, churches in big cities and small rural towns. And no matter where I go, I always meet people who read our magazine and trust it as a resource for Middle East news and great biblical teaching. To order your free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, visit foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org.
In our most recent issue of Israel My Glory, we discuss millennials, how millennials look at life, the church, and what millennials think of Israel. Joining me today on the program is J.D. Lemming. J.D. wrote in our recent issue of Israel My Glory on millennials and why this generation has an affinity for social justice. J.D. is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary and a graphic designer. J.D., great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on. J.D., you wrote a fantastic article on millennials and social justice titled, Why They Care. For our audience, and for me too, can you help define what social justice is? Yeah, so let me start by saying I really don't like the term social justice. Uh, I think it conjures up a lot of different thoughts and emotions for, for different people. Uh, I mean, the standard definition for social justice is the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. But I don't think that's what many people mean when they talk about social justice. Uh, it seems to be more like a buzzword for doing good for those who are oppressed or suffering. Uh, and some even use the term even as bullies, to be honest with you. For some, social justice is a banner to carry for any cause that they want to fight for or any rights that they want to defend. For others, uh, social justice is a four-letter word, and for many evangelicals, even in my tradition, how I grew up, it was, it meant that you left behind the gospel. Uh, and for some evangelicals, I think uh, social justice is the gospel in action. Okay. So it kind of feels like a big hairball sometimes, and it's even a hard uh, term to define. But I would propose what I'm meaning is that social justice, or just justice, um, is wrapped up in, in doing good for the sake of our fellow man in order that we bring about flourishing in their lives. So you're saying social justice can actually kind of take on different meanings for anybody that has a particular cause that they're thinking about, especially for the way that millennials think about it. Is, is that what you're saying, that everybody kind of looks at it a little bit differently? Some like it some way, some like it the other way, that, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah, very, very true to millennials. <laughs> It um, kind of takes on a definition depending on what they want it to mean. So some people talk about social justice, and they use it really to bully people, and you dare not challenge it. And then some people talk about social justice as in doing good for those who are oppressed or who are poor. So I think it can go a, a different different way depending on how you, you're thinking. But for me, I, I'm seeing it as... Um, I don't want to use the term social justice. I just want to talk about justice. Okay. And I want to wrap up the idea in the idea of um, doing good for the sake of our fellow man. Now, millennials, let's pivot towards millennials here. You know, millennials are often considered social justice mavens. Like, how did this happen? You know, why is this generation of all generations all of a sudden gravitated toward the issue of justice? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, and I tried to tackle that uh, a little bit briefly in the article. And I think you can talk about a lot of different directions. You could talk about globalization. You could talk about the exposure to ethical issues. But I think what was really interesting for me as I was reading and studying through all these things, it was the opportunity to explore self-actualization. Uh, and when I talk about self-actualization, uh, that part of the article I saw an interesting connection with Abraham Maslow's theory of human motivation, mm -hmm. um, and he, he was writing in the middle of the 20th century, and uh, it's kind of like from Psychology 101. Uh, it's most famous for the pyramid of hierarchy of needs. Uh, if you, you know, Google hierarchy of needs and Maslow, you would see um, what I'm talking about. Uh, and I use it loosely as a paradigm for generational motivations. 
And at the very bottom are the basic needs of life. Uh, it's the physiological needs, and then you kind of go up this pyramid, and it's safety next, and then love and belonging, and then esteem. And then at the very top of the pyramid is self-actualization. Hmm. And that's when you're asking questions about full potential and the realization of your potential. And I think millennials, as I try to address in the, in the article, is that they have the freedom and the privilege uh, that past generations haven't had to actually explore that, to actually ask the questions of self-actualization. Can you walk through some of those generational differences? You, you, you laid them out in the pyramid there, but how do they connect to different generations? Can you walk through that a little bit? Yeah, so I use the illustration of my own family, and I think it's kind of a good, good paradigm. So my grandfather um, fought in the Second World War, and you know he's a young man. He has a couple of kids. He goes off. Uh, he fights. He doesn't see his wife for you know many, many years. He comes back, and not only did he fight for survival, and he fought for freedom, and he fought against evil. You know, mm-hmm. um, he comes back to a very tumultuous 1950s, early 60s, when it seems like in South Georgia, where he is, the world is turning upside down, and God is dead rhetoric is everywhere, and it just seems like everything's in chaos. But um, then I think about my own father. Who, who is born into that, but everything that my grandfather fought for, literally fighting for freedom, my father inherits. And so he's able to move up this, this pyramid. He doesn't think about his basic needs of, of um, air and water and food or safety. He can actually explore loving and belonging. He can explore a little bit even of steam. And so my father can ask the question of, what can I build? And he indeed works hard and builds something meaningful. And then you come to me, and I'm you know, a child of the 80s, and I never had to worry about anything physiological or safety. And I'm born into this idea of loving and belonging instantly. And so now I have a freedom to move up and to think about esteem and then ultimately think about who do I want to be with self-actualization. That's self-actualization, when you actually have the time, the resources, uh, the freedom to think not only about what kind of job you want, but what kind of person you want to be. And it almost sounds like you're, you know, from the outside, we think of the American dream being that stepladder. You know, every generation works its way up the ladder. You always want your kids to do better than you did, but you never think about the psychological side of that. You know, you always think, I want my kids to have a little more money in the bank than I did when I was younger or have a better job, get a better career, have a better education. But you don't think about the psychological side to that. And that is what you're talking about, working your way up this ladder and almost uh, internally in your mind, you're also realizing that more freedom brings and and more resources and all of that brings self-actualization. And that's where we land with millennials. Is is that what you're saying in your article here? Yeah, I I think it's an interesting model. Um, If we accept it, if you boil it down, I think millennials are justice-oriented and are passionate about being justice-oriented because, unlike previous generations, they have the freedom and security to be so. So I'm basically, I have ridden the wave of privilege that my grandfather and my father have created for me. And that's, I mean, it's a gift. I think it's a huge blessing, Um, but it's definitely, I'm riding on their shoulders. 
JD, you say in your article, and by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with JD Lemming, um, who's written in our most recent uh, issue of Israel, My Glory, um, on why they care, talking about millennials. The whole issue of Israel, My Glory is about millennials and, and their look at life and, and Israel and the church and things of that nature. And, and, and JD, you say in your article, even if we accept the premise that millennials pursue justice as an act of self, a self-actualization, we are still left with a dilemma. Eventually, self-actualization as motivation will break down because it involves experiencing something in oneself. Biblical justice, on the other hand, can revolutionize the world. Are you saying that justice, social justice, can only find its ultimate fulfillment in a biblical worldview? Yeah, I am. Um, Self-actualization is interesting, I think, as a motivation, but ultimately it's not enough. Uh, I think it's ultimately bankrupt because humans innately are bankrupt. Um, We're broken. We're sinful. We're fallen. So true justice is justice that is following the God of justice. Hmm. Um, And I talk about Jesus' love as a demonstration um, in his incarnation in the article. I mentioned that a little bit. And I see Philippians 2, it's this majestic passage where we see Jesus' humility and his incarnation Um, in this beautiful, probably poem form. And Paul says in verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Mm. So though Jesus' incarnation, yes, is unique and divine and specific to him, I do see this idea of an example of humility and love and sacrifice. Right. Uh, And I see being incarnational, quote, incarnational, uh, with our lives is real justice. And I mean, read James. James seems to be tackling lots of issues that I would say would be justice-oriented issues. Uh, But only gospel-driven, spirit-empowered justice that that holds Jesus as the ultimate example and authority is really the answer to uh, changing the world. I think that's what world-changing justice uh, should follow. So yeah, I think self-actualization ultimately will lead us to our our inner selves, (laughs) which is bankrupt and fallen, and we need Jesus. I think you nailed it. Justice can't work if you're looking inward because the heart is corrupt. You know, our our sinful flesh takes over. And what your article does that's great, J.D., is it lets us see justice is good. But if we don't do it through a biblical worldview, it's bankrupt. J.D., thank you so much for being on the program, writing a fantastic article. I want to encourage our listeners to go to foiradio.org. And it's right there that you can sign up and get a one-year free subscription to our magazine. And this issue of Israel, my glory, the next generation, how millennials look at life, church, and Israel will come right to your door. So I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. J.D., thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Our thanks to J.D. Lemming for being with us today as we dedicated this episode to our most recent issue of Israel My Glory, where we discovered what makes millennials tick. Reflecting on what we've discussed today, do you have any parting thoughts as we close, Chris? Yeah, Steve, I just want to say again, it's so important to remember that God's steadfast love never skips a generation. Remember Psalm 100, verse 5, God's faithfulness is from generation to generation. And on another note, I'll be speaking in the Philadelphia area at the King's Christian School 
in Cherry Hill on Saturday, October 28th for our regional Friends of Israel Prophecy Up Close conference. Joining me will be frequent guest on this program, North American Ministries Director Steve Herzig. That's Saturday, October 28th. Be sure to pre-register by going to foiradio.org to learn more. Thank you for joining us for today's program. A quick reminder as we close, if you subscribe for the first time, you can receive a full year of Israel My Glory at no cost. Go to foiradio.org or contact our listener line at 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, engineered by Bob Beebe, Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold, and our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. 